Hey guys, it's Star, and welcome back. Today we'll continue reading Keeper of the Doves, as always. Today we'll be reading chapter 22, 23, and 24. Venus and Mars, what was wrong, and X marks the spot. You guys, we are getting so close to the end of this, we only have two chapters left to go, 25 and 26. I hope you guys have enjoyed the series so far, and I hope you guys will stick around to the end. Anyway, I won't keep you waiting any longer, so let's get started, shall we? Venus and Mars. Venus, Orion, Capella. We were on our backs, staring up at the starlit sky. The house was dark so that we could not be distracted by other lights. The night air was clean and clear, and the stars seemed unusually close. I had never been able to see the constellations, but now the sky seemed full of figures and motion. There was Orion, with his sparkling belt and shield. The bull's horn stretched across the sky. The archer flexed his bow. The charioteer drove his team. The herdsman played his pipe. In the words, the words were among the most beautiful I had ever heard. You can make up a whole poem out of nothing but stars and constellation. Aquarius, Pegasus, the lyre, the lion, Mercury, Mars? One of the twins interrupted my thoughts. And where's the dog star? Her voice was steadily innocent. Uncle William had forgotten, had apparently forgotten that dogs were not to be mentioned. There is the dog. Sirius is the dog tag. Uncle William pointed. Papa had been with us, leaning against one of the willows. But he had gone into the house for his pipe, so the bells were taking the opportunity to bring the conversation around a scout. Did you hear what happened to our dog, Uncle William? Now Uncle William brought his thoughts down to earth. He must remember his mama's warning, because he switched the conversation to another topic. Oh, the twins! He cried with enthusiasm. You two will want to see the twins, Castor and Pollux. Pollux is the brightest. Mr. Tominsky killed our dog. Yes, Mr. Tominsky killed our dog, the other Bella echoed. Her voice was loud enough to carry into the house. Papa qu quickly appeared on the porch, but it was too late. Tominsky killed Scout. He kicked him. We saw the black mark from his boots on Scout's side. Mr. Tominsky's a murderer. Oh, hush, Abigail said. We're trying to learn about the stars. Mr. Tominsky is a murderer, the Bella said together. A light came on upstairs in Mama's room, and, and in the square of light that fell across the bushes, I saw something move. A figure slipped under the edge of the light, but I saw the bright suspenders against the dark shirt. Mr. Tominsky had been on the had been on the edge of the family enjoying the stars with us. He must have heard the Bella's terrible words. Mr. Tominsky's a murderer. Papa came around the porch on the run. That is enough, Bella's, he said, joining us. But Papa, if you aren't going to learn about the stars, go inside the house. My eyes searched the shadows for Mr. Tominsky, but he was gone. He must not have loved Scout at all. One of the Bellas accused, made bold by the darkness. Enough! 
The word rang out with such force that the the crickets seemed to fall silent. Albert? Mama called out her window. Is everything all right? Yes, Lily. The light went out in Mama's bedroom. In the hush that followed, Papa said in a more reasonable voice, I love the dog very much. There will be other dogs. There may not be another clear night to enjoy the stars during Uncle William's visit. There was another silence, and I thought I heard a twig snap in the orchard. I quickly glanced at Papa, but apparently I was the only one aware that Mr. Tominsky was making his way home. What was wrong? What is it, Bertie? Gentlemen, see you, sir. Papa frowned. We were having our evening meal in the dining room, and Papa did not allow interruptions. Although this was the first time the Mama had felt like joining us for supper since Adam's birth, and Papa wanted it to be special. Uncle William had been in the middle of an explanation of what we had seen last night, and if it's clear tonight, I'll show you... In the mirror over the buffet, I could see the other side of Papa's face, which looked somehow even more displeased. It's the sheriff, sir, Bertie explained, twisting her apron in her distress. He says it's important. Papa got up at once, crumpling his napkin and laid it beside his plate. He left the room and closed the door behind him. We fell silent, but could hear nothing. Grandmama said, There's probably trouble at the lumber mill. The mill doesn't operate at night, Grandmama, Abigail said. Grandmama silenced her with a look. Then at the bank, she said. I do believe bank robbers operate day and night. No one seemed to have any more suggestions. Even the bellows were quiet. Odd. Perhaps, as I was, by the fact that Sheriff Watkins was in our front hall. The sheriff had been to our home before, but I had seen him in town. He was a big, cold-eyed man, whose sides alone could have kept law in order. His entrance into the willows seemed to bring a chill that touched even our candlelit dining room. Mama appeared frozen, her hands stiff on either side of her plate. Papa was gone for some time. When he returned, his face was pale. His mouth was set. Muscle worked in his jaw. What is it, Albert? Mama said. He had to force the two words out. Mr. Tom. The dove keeper? Grandma said, puzzled, as if he were the last person she had considered. Papa nodded and cleared his throat. It seems he was trying to hop a train. At least that's what the sheriff thinks. Hop a train? But why? Where would he go? Mama asked. Papa lifted his shoulders and let them drop. And hop a train? If he had come to you, Albert, you would have bought him a ticket, she continued in her reasonable voice. There was no need to leave, like... She trailed off, and Aunt Pauline finished it with, like a thief in the night. I always said, be quiet. Papa said to her in the stern voice, I had never heard him use with his sister. What happened, Albert? Grandmama asked. The fireman on the train said Mr. Tom was just standing by the tracks, as he often did. The fireman blew his whistle in greeting. He didn't even know there had been an accident till he reached the station.
Mama looked at Papa as if she were having a hard time understanding. An accident, Albert? Papa nodded. Is Mr. Tom injured? She now got up purposely. You must bring him here to the house, Bertie. Bertie was still standing in the doorway to the kitchen. Her apron twisted out of recognition. Papa shook his head. It's too late. Dead? Mama sank back into her chair. Oh no, no! Papa said nothing. I'm trying to remember the last time I saw him alive, Mama said. I didn't have to try to remember. I had seen him last night turning away from those hurtful words. Mr. Tominsky is a murderer. A shadow in the moonlight. Going home. I thought he had been heading towards his doves, but now I knew he had been heading away from us forever. Aunt Pauline broke the silence. She said, I trust you all to remember that dream that I had at the graveyard. I knew someone would die. I'm just glad it wasn't one of Pauline, please, Mama said. Us. Papa sighed. The sheriff's waiting for me. I'm going into town. I don't know when I'll be home. Uncle William rose. I'll go with you, Albert. I'd be grateful for your company, Papa said. He crossed the room, kissing Mama's cheek. And then he and Uncle William departed. I glanced across the table where the Bellas sat, side by side. They seemed deflated. Their faces shone none of the satisfaction I had suspected. Instead of sort of disappointment, as if they had been cheated of their revenge. Perhaps they felt they had no active part in the train accident. I would not be the one to tell them that they had. X marks the spot. X marks the spot. I lay in bed, overcome with an emotion I could not name. There were probably a word for the way I felt. But feelings are the hardest thing to find a word for. As I lay there, the willows took the form of a giant map covered with X's. X. The spot where Mr. Tom got off the train years ago. X. Where he found my wounded father and carried him to safety. X. His home in the chapel where he lived for 25 years. X. The stump where he sat laughing while the doves flew over his head. X. The bench in the cemetery where he sat grinning his gap-tooth grin and I took his photograph. X. Where my sisters and I laid under the stars and Mr. Tom heard himself called a murderer. And the final X. His grave where we had his funeral this afternoon. Surely, surely, Aunt Pauline had said, you are not going to bury him in the family cemetery. Papa had said, I am. But that is for family. Mr. Tom is family. Those were my father's exact words. Mr. Tom is family. Our father did not say Mr. Tom is like family. I never heard father say that. And I, for one, could not rest easy in my grave knowing that that man lay in the same sacred place. Then I'm sorry to tell you, dear sister, that you will not rest easy, Papa said. It was Papa who had led the brief ceremony. He wore his white linen suit. He held his hands behind his back. 
His fingers, so tightly clasped with his knuckles, were whiter than his suit. His head was bowed. Aunt Pauline and Mama sat on the bench. Aunt Pauline was stern and indignant. Mama was tearful. And I perhaps, I thought perhaps her tears were not so much for Mr. Tominsky as for her suffering and unconsolable husband. The Bellas did not attend. Grandma and Uncle William had taken them into town. Abigail and Augustus began the ceremony with a song, for once in perfect harmony. Just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou biddest me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. My thoughts drifted back to the last time I had heard my sister sing, the time I had seen Mr. Tominsky's smiling face in the window. I was saddened by the thought of my needless fears. Greater love, Papa began, hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friend. Papa then smoke, spoke about how Mr. Tom, a fugitive from justice, had risked capture to save him. This was the first time I had heard Mr. Tom was a fugitive, and I still wonder, I was still wondering about that when Papa said, I believe Amy has a poem she would like to read. I unrolled my sheet of paper. The air around me seemed to change. Hard to breathe. At that moment, we hear a mournful sound from the train. Ever since Mr. Tominsky's accident, the engineer had been blowing his whistle from 20 miles away, clearing the tracks, trying to prevent another tragedy. I took a deep breath. All the graves bore flowers for the occasion, but on the sad day, even the flowers seemed to scent the air with unhappiness. Amy, Papa prompted. I read, He came to us on the noonday train, the train that took him away, again. He was a gentle man, his loves were our family and his doves. A shy and simple man, and yet he touched us and will not forget. I think Grandmama said it best, the dove's magician has gone to rest. Papa nodded in Abigail and Augustus, and they began a final hymn. Blessed to be the tie that binds our hearts to Christian love. The fellowship of hundred minds is like to that above. Papa began to weep. He put his hands over his face and his shoulders shook. So I thought, there are two times in a man's life where he cries, when he gains a son and when he loses a friend. The last verse brought, us all, brought tears to all our eyes. When we assert part, it gives us inward pain, but we shall still be joined in heart and hope to meet again. When the song ended, the women and children went back into the house. We moved through the empty rooms in silence, listening to the clumps of earth being shoveled into Mr. Tominsky's grave.